0: That's one of the keys to uh, to disrupting an industry or to making a difference with your uh, with your business is just, just constantly ask, you know, why? There's so many things about the industry that you're in that you, you'll just blatantly accept because that's the way it's always been done. And then many, many other people, both, you know, customers and companies in this industry will just accept that that's the way of doing things. And it won't change until someone else comes along and changes it. And why can't that be you? Hello, you're listening to Working Out, a podcast discussing the journey towards doing what you love. On the show, we discuss our own experiences in creating our passion-based businesses. Episode
1: 9. <gasps> we're, we're almost in double digits.
0: Almost, yeah.
1: Oh no, that means I need to get, what's that word? Page Is it pagination? How do you say that oh, word? Oh yeah,
0: yeah, pagination, yeah.
1: I need to implement that on the website soon. Right okay. i haven't done that yet <laughs> okay. um, so today's episode, we both kind of agreed that it's a bit of a buzzword title, mm-hmm. um but there's not really much else we can use, and we're talking about disrupting sleeping industries because from the a bulk of the podcast, the issues that we've been talking about and the questions that I have had um I've mostly been revolved around my photography business, mm-hmm. but this is, um, I also work in insurance, like I've mentioned, and I run a wee insurance business, and this is um, something that I that I want to do within my industry because insurance is definitely a sleeping industry. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to, to this discussion, but do you want to maybe tell me what you think um how would you define disrupting an industry type of thing?
0: Well, it's a sort of it's a thing where there's a usually there's an established industry or with you know big big players in it that have had a had a certain way of doing things for a long long time and that's that's considered the norm but then eventually, you know, that becomes kind of stagnant and then Usually, it's a little player that has no, that has very few overheads and no, um, they don't have to support any legacy stuff and they just come in and and create something really simple and it's more, it's something probably that people, you know, really want or it's something completely new that, just a new take on things uh, and it completely disrupts it. I mean, you know, the iPhone is a, is a big example of that where, you know, every, every, Pre two thousand and seven, everybody's phone looked the same. It was all those Nokia brick kind of phones, and um, the iPhone came along and and just totally uh, reinvented what people thought you know a phone was and made it uh, so much more. and uh, And I mean, now if you look uh, look at the phone market, I mean, almost everybody's making phones that are a similar. Uh, in some way to what the original iPhone was. So, uh, and I mean, the back then in 2007, you know, Apple had never made a phone. So they were, um, uh, all the established phone companies were, you know, saying, yeah, Apple can't, uh, just, you know, walk in and, and do well in this market. They have no experience and they don't know all the troubles we have and stuff, but that was their advantage where they, they just went in and, um, you know, uh, they didn't have any of the the overheads or or issues, and they just had a blank slate, uh, literally. Like they just made a a screen, and that that's all they had. And um, uh, and now they're you know the leader, and and then you have companies like uh like BlackBerry who really refuse to change and really stick to, even though when you see the markets going in a completely different way, and other people are uh that that people are wanting. A certain thing they 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 want to go in a certain direction with the with the phones and that and BlackBerry stuck with their direction and uh, and now they're you know dying a, a yeah. slow death. So
1: I was thinking about that actually when I was thinking about this topic and it's definitely um, I've had that experience myself where I'm working with huge companies in, in in the industry and because they are turning a profit they're not interested in changing their model. Yeah. but that's um but that's just destructive in the long term isn't it
0: yeah i mean if you don't if you don't uh if you don't adapt then you just become a big you know sleeping dinosaur that eventually you know somebody's going to come along and and disrupt you i mean look at the the big example at the moment is uh uber with you know the the taxi uh industry and um i
1: don't really know too much about them if i'm honest
0: so uber are uh there, I think they probably originally came from San Francisco, but now they're kind of everywhere, and it's it's all within a within an iPhone app. I used it once when I went to um, I went to a conference over in in Ireland, and uh, I used it. You got yeah, I got from the conference we got a promo code to use it, and you know to get a taxi from the airport, so you got like a free a free lift there. So um, so I thought yeah, why not use it? And um, so you have the iPhone app, and you can look on it and see where the uh, the current drivers are on a little map wow. and you can see exactly where they are and then you can you can say i want a taxi from here to here and it gives you a um you know a, a an average uh, rate what, what they think it'll cost so there's no you know there's no meters in the cars or anything and uh so it gives you an, a yeah you just call the, the taxi and it um or you just book the taxi so i would Push of a button and it comes up on your screen of like a photo of the driver and who your driver is going to be and that's um, amazing. So then they turn up and um, yeah, they they drive you to wherever you want to go and I mean it's all it's all taken care of. Uh, your credit card info, just you know, you just pay for it with, within the app. Like it doesn't you do know, need to have cash or anything like that. And then you know you can rate your driver and all of that sort of stuff. So it's it's just doing you know giving people exactly what they want. They just want. But that, that's that's maybe one of the the other uh, – so the iPhone is an example of something, you know, completely new that people didn't expect. But this is um, what Uber are doing is they're disrupting the taxi industry by just getting rid of all the pain points, uh, like, you know, having cash on you to pay for the taxi and, and finding a taxi and, um, you know, knowing, knowing exactly where your taxi is, like the classic thing of when you – you know, ring for a taxi, and then they say it's just round the corner and stuff like that. With this, you can just see it on the map, you know, where exactly they are, and uh, they're just kind of removing all the uh, all the pain points. And people are, you know, flocking to them. And all the taxi drivers at the moment are protesting um, against them. And I think they had, I think it was maybe in was it maybe in London where uh, all the taxi the regular uh, taxi service because they're taking. Uber are taking business away they were all protesting against it and saying that it's um cuz i think they're not they don't have all the overheads or they're not paying certain i'm not sure what you know what stuff Uber aren't doing that the taxi drivers have to do and so but uh, they were protesting and on that weekend when they were all on strike or whatever Uber were putting out you know free offers to get an Uber this weekend because yeah all the taxi drivers were on strike and so they're just that's a classic example of they're just giving the people what they want. And of course, people are going to go and, and go for the, the, you know, the thing that they want. So if taxi drivers don't keep evolving and using, you know, uh, the ability to pay, you know, with your phone and use an app and all that sort of stuff, you know, they're they're going to get left behind. It's the same thing with, you know, with Netflix. I mean, people just want to binge watch House of Cards and not have to wait for, you know, wait every week for a new episode or um, you know, sit through ads and they just want to watch when they want and that's why, you know, Netflix just puts out House of Cards the whole season on on one day and you can just, you know, watch everything. So, but that's just, that's a different kind of disruption where they're just it's a, you know, the kind of simplest thing is just give the people what they want.
1: It's, do you know what's kind of baffling? I've just thought of this now. Yesterday when I was driving through Edinburgh, I drove past remember Blockbuster? Yeah. And, um, if only they had given the people what they want, instead of remaining that like this retail space where people could come in and rent their, their movies, they, did they never move up to an online service? Can I, I th-
0: uh, they're not around anymore, right? No,
1: they're completely so, gone. I mean, that's... I think,
0: I think I remember they kind of played around with it, but I mean, it was, I don't think they went all in. I think the same story with, um, I think it was the same story with Kodak, uh, where, like when we were growing up, I mean, Kodak was the the only name in developing photos. And I think they sort of played about with um, digital photography or I think Kodak maybe went in the other direction and and went on a – whenever digital cameras were uh, coming about and everybody was going, you know, clearly we're going to go for – the camera industry is going to go digital and they were still – I think they were concentrating more on, on – uh, Putting money into developing uh, technologies for developing photos and stuff, and I think they kind of ignored what was going on a bit, and they didn't evolve to, you know, uh, concentrating on, on digital photography, and then uh, and they don't exist anymore as well. So it's, um, I think they kind of, yeah, blockbuster. I don't, I don't know if they. When did they go out of business? I like can't even recently? remember. Um, yeah.
1: It's been so long now. But it's,
0: it's, uh, they just became irrelevant like prehistoric i can't even i can't even really remember like when they I well i can't even remember the last time i went and rented a video from a uh from a shop it must be
1: it was like six or seven years ago for me at least
0: definitely i think maybe maybe when i was at uni like 10 years ago or something i maybe went and rented a dvd or something but yeah i mean it just
1: goes to show you've got to like you said you've got to go all in it's all or nothing you can't just dabble around you've got to take that risk take that leap and go all in but i think a lot of people or some people listening who don't work for well they might work for themselves um but they're either working in sleeping industries or they have clients who are in sleeping industries. And if I remember correctly, I might be wrong, Paddy, but didn't you do a lot of work for a bank?
0: Uh, I've done, uh, I've definitely had banks as clients. So in the the previous job I worked in, we worked for for different banks. And um, yeah, it's a good example of an industry that's really slow moving and there's not a lot of innovation. And it's kind of frustrating as a designer when you're coming up with, you know, like, different ways of doing things and and you can clearly see uh look if you just you know are a bit flexible and do something great everybody will flock to it but it's it's super hard to convince big uh big companies especially like banks that i mean they have all the the overheads and they have they have boards and higher boards to please and they they have to uh they have you know hundreds of employees thousands of employees so they have a million other things to consider uh, whenever they make a decision and and it's really it's really tough to do anything really quite different and innovative in that sort of space and kind of frustrating but then you have banks like um or like the you know simple simple the one, that's the one in uh in the states which was uh, just doing, yeah, embracing technology and using a lot of um, the, a lot of you know the technology out there of of uh, and using you know iPhone apps and all of that sort of stuff and just doing, keeping things yeah simple, um, but just giving people what they wanted and and uh, when it comes to banking and not having all of the, the complicated stuff that goes along with banking. So I mean. They're another industry that's ready to be disrupted.
1: They're a big inspiration to me because I think banking is quite similar to insurance. There's a lot of regulation, a lot of legacy code, um, a lot of people that are – there's a lot of people above me, which is is why I'm finding it so difficult to – to make a, a little bit of a difference right now, but I do think it's quite a similar industry. And so they're a big inspiration to me. I, I should actually do more research on, and how the company started and who's behind it. Cause I bet it is just like two guys, two mm. guys who hacked away in their bedroom or something. I don't know.
0: But that's where always that, that's, well usually where the, the innovation and the, the disruption comes from is, is a couple of guys who think, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. And the way they're, uh, able to disrupt in an industry is because they don't have all the the baggage that comes with being an established player so the the dinosaurs in the industry are dinosaurs because they've been around you know a long time and they have a an established way of working that's earning them money but more than unlikely you know innovation is they're you know not there anymore and it's become stagnant and it always usually comes you know disruption comes from the little guy who doesn't have a long history to deal with and they don't need to uh support a load of staff and um old versions of software or please a board or anything like that and they just come up with a really good idea or something that people want and they're flexible enough to to quickly change as as the market changes and then if you're thinking that there's too much competition out there in whatever industry you're uh you're interested in, I mean there's there are always opportunities for uh for change and y- you just have to look at the the pain points of the industry um that you're concerned with like your so your industry is insurance right Mm -hmm. and so what would you consider the the real pain points of of that industry because it seems that insurance seems like quite a established industry industry where there's certain ways of work and it doesn't it doesn't seem like the most innovative uh, industry either
1: well the the area that really interests me is um the actual quoting and buying online because that is at the end of the day that 's the backbone of an insurer's business It's the part that the um potential customer is going to be hands on with and so it should be very simple straightforward um i think it should it should look good it should function perfectly and yet we I see a lot of um Buggy quote systems and with terrible UI decisions, they're complicated to go through. Um, the one that the I'll t- I'll tell you my story, okay? Mhm. So this is the area that really interests me, and this is the area that I wanted to address. And years ago, when we really started to see this big movement in responsive web design, um, I decided that I was like, well, you know, this this totally makes sense. Our quote system should be um functioning on whatever device you're using whether it's mobile tablet or desktop and this was the whole this was a big part of why I decided to learn to program because I wanted so badly for our quote system to be responsive and I'd made a video of the quote system that we were using we were using a third party quote system which is quite common when you're in the position I'm in and um I'd made a video of all of the issues that there was with it. It was taking, it was horribly long loading times. Um, fields weren't populating when you were clicking on them. Really silly, little, frustrating things like that, which does it turns a lot of people off. They will leave your your website. And I made this video of all of the problems I was having, and I sent it to the insurer who built the quote system, and I never heard a thing. And I realized that the best way, you know, you can kind of rant endlessly about something, nobody will listen. But if you present them a solution, um, they'll definitely pay more attention. So I learned to code and built a quote system and it was fully responsive. And you've seen it, Paddy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it definitely minimized, minimized the process and minimized the amount of steps required to get a quote. So I went to London and demoed it to the insurer who'd built the other quote system. And I said, this is what I think is wrong with yours. And this is why I think this one is better. And in particular, really focused on the responsive aspect of them. Thought I'd explained quite clearly how that worked. They seemed to have understood. They were very excited about it. And this was years ago before any insurer in the UK, at least, had um, embraced um, responsive web design. So if they had, in fact, they, they they offered me a job. They said, we love this. We Yes, we want this. We want our quote system to be like this. We'll hire you to head up a team to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And if they had actually gone through with their word, then we would have been the first insurer to have a responsive experience on and, and, but instead they didn't, they hesitated. They, they, um, you know, for for months and months and months, I was pestering them. When are we going to do this? What's the next step? Eighteen months later, I finally gave up. You know, they weren't interested in. Um, they obviously weren't interested in, in in taking a chance on me because when a twenty-five-year-old girl with no qualifications walks into your office and is self-taught in a lot of things, you, you're probably not going to pay attention to her. But if they had taken that risk, I think it would have paid off. Um, instead, they didn't. They still don't have any responsive solution. But what what did happen was, just recently, I'm subscribed to their newsletter and I got an email saying, "We understand a lot of our customers um, have iPads now, so we're thinking of building a standalone iPad app that you can download on your iPad to get a quote." Mm-hmm. And this blew my mind because obviously there's so much wrong with that. First of all, people are looking for less steps to get their quote, not more. Mm-hmm. For something that you do once a year, you're not going to download an app for that. Um, and it just showed that they, they've completely missed the mark with what it was I was doing. And in the end, I've become frustrated and moved on. And it's still an area that I'm I'm really keen on improving and I will improve it. Um, well,
0: what was the, I mean, why did you... Why did you go and present it to them and then, you know, wait around and they weren't doing anything about it? Why didn't you just go ahead and build it and launch it yourself? I and mean, what did you need from them to um, oh, to man. go ahead with it?
1: Paddy, it's so complicated the way that, that the quote systems work because you have your insurer and you have your underwriter and you have multiple insurers too. And their rates change often and there are all these different variables which affect what your premium is. And they gave me some of the information, but they did say to me, we're, we're, we don't want to give you all of this information because we're worried that you'll take it and go off and do your own thing.
0: Yeah, which, so, yeah, which would which have been, is, uh, isn't, you know, not good for them, but I mean, the the people who want to get quick insurance quotes would have been better off if you'd have went off and, and built your own thing and uh, made a simple system that they could use. I mean, now, what they're probably... It's probably the same situation now as it was back then, right? I mean, you have this iPad app now, but... Yeah.
1: yeah, they haven't changed anything. I don't think they've even got the iPad app because, come on, who's going to respond to a survey from their insurer saying, yes, I would use your app? Like, that's, that's not going to happen. Nobody would have even read the email, I bet. Mm-hmm. But um, I've now moved to a new insurer um, for my new business, Jack, which is selling business insurance. And the reason that I've moved to them is because A, they're really transparent and B, they understand where technology is headed and how they they themselves have a responsive quote system too and it's a lot simpler than the one that I was using prior to that. So they're already on the right tracks and they're really keen. They, They themselves have used the words that they want to disrupt the insurance industry. But ultimately, I would like to do my own thing because then if I had more control over... I would just really like to be able to engineer every aspect of the quoting and purchasing experience within my business, yeah. um, and I'm sure that will happen. But, but yeah, it's it's definitely one of those industries where the this ins- this previous insurer I worked with they've proved that they're very reluctant to change. And yes, that's fine. Things are working okay for them now. They're still making money. But I think ultimately, with that attitude, you will get left behind.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, and we're starting to see insurance change in the US too. Like, I don't know if you've seen, obviously I do a lot of research and this stuff because it excites me, but I don't know if you've seen a company called Oscar, their health insurance company.
0: Mm, I don't think so, no.
1: And they've completely changed the quoting process online. Um, we have to put that in the show notes for people to look because it's insanely simple. It blew my mind when I saw it. And um, a good quote I read in an interview with them, and a good quote that they said was, Um, They were talking about the kind of special sauce behind disrupting an industry. And um, the founder said, take a frustration you have with an incumbent industry and think about how to apply technology to it in a different way. And that's what they're doing. But earlier you mentioned finding pain points in a certain industry. And do you know what I think is a really effective way? Obviously, like speaking to people, obviously. But a good way of researching pain points is going on Reddit,
0: Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And,
1: um, for your specific industry that you're working in or you're interested in and, um, reading their comments and they'll talk about what it is that frustrates them and, um, things that they wish were different. That's a really good way of kind of researching your, your company, your idea. Um, but other industries I was thinking about too, that are really kind of mundane and not, not generally exciting, um, is is obviously banking, which you mentioned, simple, um, email marketing and web hosting. And I was thinking about companies out there who are creating businesses in these industries that people genuinely love. Mm-hmm. Which is what I'm like if MailChimp can create an email marketing business that people love, why can't I do that with insurance? You know? Yeah. yeah. Um so MailChimp, simple, even Media Temple, um, what do you think it is, Paddy, that these companies are doing that makes people fall in love with them when they're working with such mundane kind of services?
0: I think they just they just give people what they want. Like people have a need; they want Their need is to communicate with uh, all of their their fans of their product, so they want a just a really simple but powerful uh, tool to use to to communicate with them. And in this case, email um newsletters and they just like people like mailchimp just provide a a simple uh way of doing that and you can you know track how many people open uh, and click on things and and you've get you know drag and drop interfaces and, and it's all just uh, i mean there's just none of the overheads and when you consider there's just none of the like, the complications and when you consider something like banking and you need um, a certain type of account. Like it's not, it's not particularly easy if you go on usually on a bank's website to figure out what's best for you and, uh, and what exactly you need. And there's usually, you know, the, the iPhone app is not that great for, I think, flexibility, that certain mindset of, uh, these new tech, uh, tech companies that, that just build something, um, that people really want to, They really want to use and people are passionate about you know these these types of companies so it's just addressing the the pain points and if so the people listening to this podcast i mean our bigger picture thing is uh making a business out of out of a passion of yours so if you're wanting to disrupt an industry it's most likely an industry that you're Working in yourself, and it's the the industry your your passion is in. So, if you're wanting to create a business out of this this passion in this specific industry, you more than likely know the the pain points. If you think about it, like sometimes they're not that they're not that clear and obvious. Um, but if you just sit and think, I really want to uh, solve a particular problem uh, within this industry. You just have to sit down and think about what are you frustrated with every day because the it's often difficult to see what exactly the the obvious problems are because you're just used to being you're just used to a, a certain way of working and you're just doing the same thing all of the time but you don't stop to question you know why am i doing this this certain way why are we all doing a um performing this certain task in this certain way just because it's always been done like that and that's that's one of the keys to Uh, too disrupting an industry or too making a difference with your uh, with your business is just just constantly ask you know why there's so many things about the industry that you're in that you you'll just blatantly accept because that's the way it's always been done and then many many other people both you know customers and companies in this industry will just accept that that's the way of doing things and it won't change until someone else comes along and changes it and why can't that be you? It's not easy, of course. It's tons of hard work to come in and disrupt an industry. And we talked about Uber at the start. I mean, they obviously spent a lot of money developing really good um, iPhone apps and working on a good system of uh, communication with their drivers. And they work a lot on marketing and promoting. uh, And you get, you know, referrals if you refer other people to it. You get, you know, you both get discounts off your next... Uh, your next taxi ride and uh, all of this stuff is obviously a ton of effort but they're focusing on a really a really small part uh, you know just certain pain points that people have when it comes to getting from a to b and it's it's stuff that we've accepted for years and years and years of um of taking taxis so the key to to disrupting an industry is just to keep asking yourself why is this the way it is and that's what big companies usually don't do they don't ask why are we still doing it like this they're they're just accepting it because they've been doing it for 20 years doing it the same way
1: i feel so inspired right now like why <laughs> can't it be me that changes it um it, yeah, it I mean, will be yeah
0: you know, yeah you've uh, i think if you if you were to do it all over again with the presenting your your quote system to the insurers i think and then you you know waited around and pestered them and they never really did anything about it if you were to do it again would you do it differently
1: um well i wouldn't have wasted so much time waiting on them like back and forth um i made a mistake with that i think um I am gonna attempt it again, of course I'm gonna attempt it again. I basically built Jack right now as an MVP and it's I've I've launched it with um the least overheads as possible and the least um not responsibility, that's the wrong word, but I've launched a very basic model of it to see if there is enough interest there and it turns out there is. People do want to they do want that kind of more personal service with their insurance and to speak to me and pick my brain about what cover they need and and um so yeah, I will be doing it again, but, um, what would I do differently? That's a difficult question. Um, well, is
0: that, is that one of the pain points then? So, a uh, uh, a key, um, uh, benefit of insurance by Jack is this, this personal touch, right. And your uh, you're yeah, catering I mean, ins- insurance specifically for someone's needs. Is that one of the pain points in the industry where it's
1: So I've done a lot of, um, I did like a big survey before and got really good responses from that. And what people generally want from their insurer is they they do want upfront, transparent, honest advice from them. They want a really simple way of purchasing their insurance and then they want you to get out of the way. And they never want to kind of think about you again because, you know, the next time you think about your insurance is probably... Well, either for the renewal, hopefully, and not for making a claim on something. So they generally just want you to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, my goal is, is funny because when I was setting up this new company and I'd partnered with this um, this other insurer and I'd been dealing with them for about a month back and forth and getting everything set up and... And at the end, one of our last phone calls before everything was set up, they said to us, "You know, Ashley, you've talked the whole time about the fact that you really like our company because we've got our, um, you know, a tech team that are constantly iterating on the quote system, and that that we're that we publish a lot of um, of what we're learning in our figures, and there's that transparency. But you've not once asked us what the commission you're going to get paid is." And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I'm doing this to make money as well. Because to (laughs) me, it was all about just providing a better experience for people. Um, So going forward, I'm actually speaking, um, is it next week? I think it's next week or in 10 days or something. In Wales, um, Practical Takeaways, and I know that there's a big kind of insurance um, audience there. And in particular, there's um, quite a big insurance company that I'd um, really like to speak to and pick their brain about how I can move forward with having more control over my business that's that's the goal and having more control over as mundane as this sounds but writing writing policies specifically for creatives because a lot of insurers aren't doing that they're still freaking out at stuff like Um, co-working spaces which are Mm -hmm. more and more common in the web industry or designers who also are public speakers and authors you know so that that's the goal but it's going to be a really long process and it's difficult because there isn't much information about how to get into this because again the insurance industry is so closed they don't want to share they don't want to share what they're doing or how to do things you know Mm -hmm. it's frustrating but i will get there i feel I feel inspired. So how I was thinking, how can people who work in an industry like I do, that isn't really known for creativity or doing anything different, what, and especially if you work for somebody, um, what can you do? How can you, how can you be creative in that industry? And I thought, well, you have to be vocal. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a, if you're a part of a sleeping industry, and you're working for a company, you have to do what I did and really be honest with them and tell them how they can improve on their, their technology or their design. But it doesn't help to just tell them, you have to show them examples. So if it means if it means doing a mock-up in your spare time or building a microsite, then so be it. Because it, like I said, it's better to show them a solution than to just talk about things. And that's why I learned to code so that I could build the quote system. But most importantly, Forget about your job role. Don't be constrained by what your title is. So if you're a marketing guy and your sole responsibility is getting sign ups but you know how to make the existing product or service look better, then Scribble your mock-up on a napkin, or learn enough HTML to hack together a simple website. Just don't be constrained. And if, above all else, if your efforts fail, like mine did the last time I tried it with the quote system, it doesn't mean that good things can't come from it. Um, I will try again. But most importantly, by doing these little projects and um, putting them out there, um, you know how many people in insurance do you see getting invited to speak at design and tech conferences? and and I do and it's because I've been hacking on these little projects and and putting them out there and you never know where that will take you. I've talked a lot about approaching it from when you're working for somebody I'm working in an industry under people, which I am, even though I'm my own boss, I'm still working under people that are so many people above me who have control over the bigger things that I want to change. Do you have anything to add for people who are perhaps wanting to work for themselves, but in in a sleeping industry? I think,
0: well, I mean, in my experience, a lot of the, a lot of the reason I went freelance uh, is that frustration with um, not being able to to do the kind of stuff I wanted to do. And there were a lot of frustrations in the, when you're working for other people, a lot of stuff isn't in your control. And when you're working, especially in industries that are really slow moving, it's hard to be creative in those industries. So I went to work for myself and uh, and now I do a mix of, a mix of client projects, but I, I choose, you know, uh, clients that are, trying to do something a bit different or, uh, they're trying to do just stuff in, you know, iPhone apps and new technologies, just stuff that I'm interested in. And i do also do my own stuff as well. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's tons of work out there, so it's not, uh, you don't have to limit yourself to, to be just doing stuff in an industry where, um, you're getting frustrated and, um, you can, you can really find a lot of work out there to to go and do something but if you want to disrupt that current industry i think it's important that you're passionate about that industry i think it's going to be really tough if you if you're wanting to disrupt an industry that you don't have a direct passion in or something about it once you in that industry like you mentioned uh, like you mentioned, with the where you weren't really concerned about your commission or anything, you were too busy thinking about that. You just wanted to help people have a better experience, and just focusing on that. That's because you have a you have a passion in that that industry, and that's what's helping you. You know, keep keeping you motivated in uh, in an industry that's that's probably filled with a lot of frustrations. So that's why you're, yeah, you have a passion for that industry. So that's what's keeping you keeping you going. I think that's really important to, to, to think about as well.
1: Yeah. Let's go change the world. <laughs> Maybe not, but I'll at just... least
0: you, you can always change a small part of, uh, yeah. of your industry and just find a, find a, a niche and, um, and just do it differently and, you know, take the risks and don't worry about the, don't worry about all the, the backlog of, of legacy stuff. um, because the big guys are going to be uh, worrying about all that, so you need to play to your strengths and be more flexible and and just give people what they want.
1: So true. I mean, I feel so, and I'm, I've really enjoyed our chat today. Now I feel so pumped to go and work on my insurance stuff. So I think that's what I'm going to go do now, Paddy.
0: All right, sounds good. <laughs>
1: You can tweet us at Working Out Show and email us on info at workingitpodcast.com And if you enjoyed the show, please give us positive rating on iTunes. Bye!